0: The following program has been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: The darkness of the last days has come upon us like a freight train. We're in an insane world. Every kind of wickedness is being practiced among nations as war breaks out, in finances as America crashes financially, as gas prices continue to rise at a historic rate. We are in the darkness of the last days. And there is a great work that must be accomplished before Jesus can come. A great work of revival. There's a story in the book of Genesis that is very clear. It's found in The 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff for, I'm famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, First sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I'm about to die. Of what use is the birthright to me? Jacob said, First swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And then we find... In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord said? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the boundaries of Israel. The Lord hated Esau. Why? Why? Because Esau only desired to have his physical nature supplied with what he desired. He had no time for God. And his descendants had no time for the Lord Jesus, even yet today. And there is a curse upon them. I'll go further. There is a curse upon all people who will not acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ. And we come today to proclaim and to speak the name of Jesus. Now we see the destruction of war. Men, women, and children dying. A million point seven refugees have fled to Poland. They have nothing to return to. Their homes are destroyed. This is a desperate day. We see America making decisions that they have consistently made to poke the bear. We've seen decisions made by America and by Russia to rule the world. We have seen the central banks and the Federal Reserve rule the world and destroy the finances of working people and destroy their jobs and their lives. The middle class of America has been utterly decimated by the policies of the Federal Reserve we are in and entering into the last days of darkness and we could spend a great deal of time describing all of the wickedness that is going on but you see it with your own eyes the The sexual uncleanness, the lust for money, the lust for power. It's all there before us. We see it clearly. But there is a whole other perspective that we need to begin to look at. If you're listening to this broadcast, I am believing it is because either you are already committed to Jesus Christ, or because you are interested in being committed to Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to go into a very deep place. I'm going to share with you some material from a book you've heard me speak of before. It is a book written by Norman Grubb entitled Reese Hall Intercessor. He started a college at the turn of the century, the late 1800s, the 1900s. This is specifically referring to a Christmas vacation of 1936. Now, I want to share this with you because as we look this week at the story outlined in Malachi, and as we look at Romans, the eighth chapter, you're going to begin to see a picture emerge and a calling upon your life. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of lentil stew. I don't want you to sell your birthright For a pot of stew in this culture. Instead, I want you to cross over that line and become very serious about your walk with Jesus and utterly and completely sell out to Him. The call on our lives is to be utterly given to Jesus and for the building of His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. I believe that literally. Jesus said it. I believe it. And so my life has been laid on the line for the building of the kingdom of God. Now, you may not be a pastor. You may be working in a a mechanic shop. You may be working in an office. You may be working in a government position, wherever you are. However, your first assignment in that place of employment is to build the kingdom of God, not to make money. God's people are not called to make money except as it fits into the plan for building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is everything to the Father. It cost him Jesus' life. So I'm going to share this material beginning on page 217. It's entitled, this chapter 32, Visitation of the Spirit. I want you to see that this is what we are called to in this last day. And then the remaining portion of this week, we will address these issues and go into the scriptures. In the Christmas vacation of 1936, much time was given to prayer. As we approached the new year of 1937, there was an increasing consciousness of God's presence on the college campus. The first outward sign That he was working in a new way was when one of the staff broke down in prayer, confessing her sense of need and crying to the Holy Spirit to meet her. Then we heard how the Holy Spirit had so magnified himself in the glory of his divine person to some of the girl students that they wept before him for hours, broken at the corruption of their own hearts, revealed in the light of his holiness an awesome sense of God's nearness began to steal over the whole college campus. There was a solemn expectancy. We were reminded of the 120 in the upper room before the day of Pentecost. Like them, we only wanted to spend our time in prayer and supplication, conscious that God's hand was upon us. Conscious that he was about to do something. God was there. Yet we felt we were still waiting for him to come. And that the days that followed, he came. Now, I want to stop reading just a moment. This is my sense. The Holy Spirit is coming. I sense him in my spirit. I feel him. I am conscious that God is about to do something in America, in Washington, D.C. I'm waiting for him to come. And I'm spending my time in fasting and prayer and scripture. I am waiting for the Holy Spirit. I continue. This is page 218, Reese Howells, intercessor. He did not come like a rushing mighty wind, but gradually the person of the Holy Spirit filled all of our thoughts. His presence filled all the place, and his light seemed to penetrate all the hidden resources of our hearts. He was speaking through the director in every meeting, but it was in the quiet of our own rooms that he revealed himself to many of us. We felt the Holy Spirit had been a real person to us before. As far as we knew, we had received him, and some of us had known much of his operations in and through our lives. But now the revelation of his person was so tremendous that all our previous experiences seemed as nothing. There was no visible apparition, but he made himself so real to our spiritual eyes that it was a face-to-face experience, and when we saw him, we knew we had never really seen him before. We said, like Job, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And like him we cried, Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In the light of his purity... It was not so much sin we saw as self. We saw pride and self motives underlying everything we'd ever done. Lust and self-pity were discovered in places where we had never suspected them. And we had to confess we knew nothing of the Holy Spirit as an indwelling person. That our bodies were meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit we knew. But when he pressed the question, Who is living in your body? We could not say that he was. We would have done so once, but now we had seen him. In his nature, he was just like Jesus. He would never live for self, but always for others. We were people who had left all to follow the Savior and had forsaken all we had of this world's goods to enter a life of faith. And as far as we knew, we had surrendered our lives entirely to the one who died for us. But he showed us there is all the difference in the world between your surrendered life in my hands and me living my life in your body. We read the Acts afresh and found we were reading not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The bodies of Peter and others had become his temples. The Holy Spirit as a divine person lived in the bodies of the Apostles, even as the Savior had lived his earthly life in the body he was born in in Bethlehem. And all that the Holy Spirit asked of us was our wills, and our bodies, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice romans twelve one It seemed as though we had never seen that scripture before. He made it clear that he was he was not asking for service but for a sacrifice. Our God is a consuming fire. And if God the Holy Spirit took possession of these bodies, then his life was going to consume all that was of ours. We'd often sung, I want to be like Jesus. But when we had the offer from a person who is just like the Savior to come and live that daily life and hourly in us, we found how unreal we had been how much there was in us that still wanted to live our own lives, that shrank from this sentence of death. We now began to see the meaning of the Savior's words in Luke 9:24. for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. Why had he manifest himself to us in this way? Well, he made that quite clear. It was because there was a work to be done in the world today that only he could do. John 16, verse 8. No wonder the master told his disciples not to move from Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Holy Spirit. But when he had come, they would be witnesses in Jerusalem in judea and samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth many of us on the previous march 29 had put all of our all of our own on the altar for the sake of giving the gospel to every creature we'd become willing to be any cog in the machinery that god needed to put through in our generation but now The Holy Spirit said, As Jehovah said to Moses, I am come down to do it, we knew that he was as almighty as he was holy. As those days of visitation went on, we were just prostrate at his feet. We had thought that there was some virtue in our surrender, that we with thousands of others would be the people to evangelize the world in this generation. But now he had come, and we were out of it except in so far as our bodies would become the temples in which he would dwell and through which he would work. He said, I've not come to give you joy or peace or victory. I have not come to give you any blessing at all. You will find all that you need in Jesus. But I have come to put you to the cross so that I may live in your body for the sake of Of the lost world he warned us that the trials before this task was through would be so great and the attacks of Satan so fierce that flesh and blood would never be able to hold out he showed us that on the eve of the crucifixion when the real clash came with the powers of darkness it was only the Savior who stood we saw every one of the disciples fall In that hour, in spite of all their surrenders, their vows, their devotion to Jesus, and looking into future years, the darkness of the last days of this age, the final contest, the final contest between heaven and hell for the kingdoms of this world, we could see only one person who was sufficient for these things. And he was the glorious third person of the Godhead in whom All things dwell. One by one he met us. One by one we broke in tears and contrition before him. From one another rose a cry as it did from Isaiah when he too saw the Lord. Woe is me for I am undone, unclean. One by one our wills were broken. We yielded on our own unconditional terms, on his unconditional terms to one by one there came the glorious realization the holy spirit has entered and the wonder of our privilege overwhelmed us the personal experience was great we were new people his word became new So often we'd had to water down the word to the level of our experience, but now the person in us would insist on bringing our experience up to the level of his word. We understood that crucifixion was a slow death and that he would have much to deal with in us before he would really be free to do his work through us. But one thing we knew, he had come and he could not fail. By far, the greater than anything his visitation could mean to us personally was what it was going to mean to the world. We saw him as the one in whom the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust in the balance. On our faces before him, we could only say from odd hearts, Holy Ghost, you have come to shake the world. There was no excitement or enthusiasm of the flesh in those days. When his power had come on us after March 29, we had been carried away and were singing and shouting our praises. But in these days, we were so awed by the holy majesty of his person that we hardly dared raise our voices in the meetings. Even the grounds outside seemed filled with his presence. Walking around together, we would suddenly be conscious that we were speaking in whispers. The late hours came, but no one thought of bed, for God was there. It seemed to be a foretaste of the holy city. There shall be no night there. Two and three a.m. often seemed like midday as we communed together and prayed with people who were coming through or waited before God in the quietness of our hearts. This visitation with the Holy Spirit lasted for about three weeks in this very special sense. Through praise to God, he came to abide and has continued with us ever since. But no one has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. He is God, and whatever our experiences of him, he is far greater than all we can know of him. Whatever we know of his gifts, his manifestations, his anointing, he is greater than all of these. In whatever way he has manifested himself to us, we also recognize his mighty working in and through others. Increasingly, we look to the Holy Spirit himself, poured out on all flesh, as Joel prophesied, as the only one by whom the vision he has shown us can be fulfilled through his prepared channels in all parts of the world. Through this falling of the fire upon the sacrifice, the spirit had sealed to himself a company of intercessors, tutors, school teachers, doctors, nurses, domestic and office workers, gardeners, mechanics. Their duties were varied, but their commission won. Many of the students themselves remained on as a part of this praying and working community. There are times in God's dealing with his servants that he sets apart for himself, not just individuals, but companies, baptized, as it were, by one spirit into one body for one God-appointed purpose. And this was one of those times. This is the college that Reese Howells founded in Wales. This took place in 1936 and 37 over Christmas vacation. God is going to do that again. And he's looking for men and women, boys and girls, who will recognize that the darkness of the last day is upon us. And we must, with all of our hearts, turn to Jesus. It will require a great deal of financial sacrifice on our parts. It will require a total giving of ourselves into the hands of the Holy Spirit. I've heard so many times, and I have said so many times, I am utterly given over, surrendered to Jesus. But there is a place beyond that surrender that we are called. It is a place of absolute giving of ourselves to the Holy Spirit where all foolishness ceases. Where all worldly endeavors are cast aside. We spend our time in prayer and fasting and in obedience, doing and saying what the Holy Spirit does through us. I thought it was a very sharp contrast to speak about the Lord is not asking us for Christian service. All of my adult life, I have been about Christian service. And some of you, like me, have spent days, years, in Christian service, all that was necessary, but in this last day, it's not Christian service that Jesus is calling for. In this last day, it is sacrifice that he is calling for to be fully on that altar of burnt offering, to be living martyrs for Jesus Christ, to be bound together in the body of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to speak this week about the modern church and how the Lord, speaking through the messenger, that's what Malachi means. He said of the Jewish people of that day, This is what the Lord says. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not accept offerings from your hands. And the Lord has done that in our day. He closed the churches down. We were vomited out. Some of us said no. We will obey God rather than government. Our first loyalty is to Jesus Christ. If you were a part of a church that shut down, you're in trouble because you're under a pastor who is a coward. We were not called to shut down. We were called to boldly stand up against the tyranny of the American government thinking that it could control the people of God and how they worship. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. In other words, what was happening in the American church is useless to God. Laodicea, he said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, vomit you out of my mouth. No, we've come to a time when there has to be a total change in the church. And the church is going to have to get on its face in prayer and supplication, repentance and humility and abhor itself and ask for forgiveness and ask for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell us, to take charge of us. We can no longer live independent lives. You need to find a people or a place where you can be a part of a company of believers. It doesn't need to be in an organized church. It may be, but it does not have to be. But it needs to be a body of Christ. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Not just your family gathering, that's not the church. That's your family. But others need to be invited to come and participate in that church, in that body of Christ, where you are utterly giving yourselves over for the work of the Holy Spirit through you, where you are not just doing Christian service, quote, unquote, but where you are utterly sacrificing your life for the Holy Spirit to come in and indwell you. Do you remember the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians? You were bought at a price. You are not your own. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The modern church has totally missed that. And we have owned ourselves. And we have thought we could make decisions about where we would go People say to me, oh, I'm moving here and and I'm moving there. Why? Well, my job is transferring. Or I want to retire where it's warm. Did the Holy Spirit direct you there? What has the Holy Spirit said? Well, he doesn't talk to me. That's because you're so far away from him, you can't hear him when he speaks to you. That's why it's necessary to, in, contr- in contrition, in supplication, in prayer, in repentance, get before God and wait on him until he hear, you hear clearly where you're to be and what body you're to be a part of, and then don't let anything stop you. Go. Be there. It may be just down the street. Maybe across country. I don't know where it'll be. But you have to be directed by the Holy Spirit. You don't stay where you're comfortable in your, in your own life. I don't have my own life anymore. My life belongs to the Holy Spirit. It belongs to Jesus Christ. This is as real as, as the physical realm is real. It's more real. I am here for the purpose of serving Jesus Christ. But beyond that, I am here to be sacrificed on the altar of burnt offering, a living martyr for Jesus Christ. I had a dream many years ago. I did not understand it. I wish I'd understood it. I didn't understand it. I was chained to a pull cart and I was pulling it and it was piled full of possessions. And I pulled it down the street and there were others pulling their pull carts down the street. And we were making our way to a great cathedral. One by one, we entered into that cathedral as the line moved forward In the very front of that cathedral was a large bonfire. We came step by step. There was a man in a robe with a checklist of names, entering names. And when it was your turn, you stepped up to this man and you gave him your name. And he wrote it. On the list. And then he, with his hand, invited you to enter into the fire with your pull cart. I was terrified of the fire. I was chained to the pull cart. I stepped out and I stepped in. And as I stepped into that fire, the chains were burned off. The pull cart was consumed in the flames. And I walked out of the fire on the other side, a free man, filled with the mighty power of God. That's what he's calling for. You've sung that song, haven't you? All on the altar of sacrifice laid. It's literal. All to be us on the altar of sacrifice laid. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to sell all that you have. Jesus asked that of the rich young ruler, but he didn't ask that of Peter or James or John. But they all now are employed in the work of the kingdom of God as directed by the Holy Spirit no longer walking in the flesh no longer walking in your own wisdom no longer walking in what you think you know no longer holding back but boldly stepping into the fire of God is this frightening to you It is to me. For I recognize that I have surrendered everything to Jesus. All that I am and all that I have, I have given to Jesus. But there is an indwelling power that I don't yet have. It is slowly coming. The messages that the Lord has given me day to day have become increasingly sharp and divisive. That is, separating spirit and flesh. He is coming. He is going to do something amazing. He is going to shake this world. He's going to shake your world. Now the question is, what are you going to do with that shaking? Some people, when their world is shaken as ours is by high gas prices and by the threatened famine that is going to come upon America, and there will be many who die in the coming famine, You will not be able to go to the grocery store and buy what you desire. And it will be very expensive what you can get. We're coming into a time of desperate, desperate situations. You may lose your house. You may sleep in your car. You may lose your car. You may be homeless. We're going to have to be fully in the spirit, used by the spirit, To know how to care for one another. We will not be concerned about ourselves. We will be concerned about others. And we will be operating at the direction of the Holy Spirit, and we will not be fearful. We will be bold. We will proclaim the Word of God by actions and by words by miracles and signs. Are you ready? Or are you still walking, slipping and sliding with Jesus? Are you still playing to your own lust, to your own self-pity, Are you still the victim? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you hurting? Or have you given all of that into the name of Jesus? And in the midst of whatever you're going through, are you in prayer and supplication at every spare moment Asking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's where the power is. That's where the joy is. That's where the the boldness is. It's in Jesus as filled and directed by the Holy Spirit. And I really like also what Norman Grubb wrote. Saying the Holy Spirit does not come to us to bless us. I find that to be a very common misunderstanding in the body of Christ today. Oh, we want the Holy Spirit. We want the blessing of the. No, the Holy Spirit does not come to bless you. The Holy Spirit comes to put you on the cross, He comes to prepare you to be a vessel that He can live in for the work of the gospel. All that we need is found in Jesus Christ. All of the blessings of heaven are poured out for us according to Ephesians, the first chapter. If you haven't read it recently, go back and read Ephesians, the first chapter. Every blessing of heaven has been poured out. Nothing has been withheld from us. Everything has been poured out by Jesus for us. But it's the Holy Spirit who comes as Lord of the harvest. To use us. To speak through us. To move through us. But if your concern is your hobby, your video game, your entertainment, all of that's going to have to go to the cross. If you're Consumed with this world and its stuff, you will be unfit for the work of the Holy Spirit. That stuff has to go to the cross. If you're concerned about pleasing others, if you're concerned about being included and loved, All of that has to go to the cross. We have entered the dark days of the end times. Jesus is coming. And there is a great work that must be done. And that work is the work that can only be done by the Holy Spirit as he has bodies to work through he is the builder of the kingdom of God he is the one that must come and dwell in us but he will not dwell in a sinful body a sinful mind a sinful heart it must all go to the cross Are you ready? What decisions do you need to make? Where are you called to fellowship? Then, no matter what it takes, be there. And put everything on that altar burnt offering. Don't try to save your life. Give your life for Jesus Christ. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. I would like to pray with you. A prayer that you may not be comfortable with. Lord Jesus, I ask that whatever you must do in my life and whatever you must do in my brother's and sister's life to prepare us for the fullness of Of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Then I ask that you would do that. Whatever breaking or cutting is necessary. Whatever humbling is required. Whatever discipline. Must be given. Would you do that in the. In the life of every person who has listened to this broadcast. And would you do that in the. American church, expose all corruption, all wickedness. Clean us up, O Lord Jesus. Prepare us to be used by you in these last days through your Holy Spirit. Lord, all of my confidence is in you today. I am nothing. I have no power. I have no strength of my own. It is by your spirit alone, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're called to sacrifice for the work of the gospel and you're called to give, that this radio ministry could be on the air. Then I invite you to give. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22191. 22195. I'm sorry, 22195. You can also go to nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find all of the YouTube videos. You can also give online. It would be a great encouragement for me to hear from you. Thank you to those of you who have already given and already contacted with testimonies and praise for Jesus. I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. God bless you today. I'll talk to you soon.